BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast, where we help restaurant patrons enjoy their experience by giving them a look behind the industry curtain. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast. I'm Marlon Joseph, and on today's podcast, we interview Mr. Scott Stanfield. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be on. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And as usual, we are joined by my good friend, Danny DeVillo. How's everybody doing out there today? All right. So, so we're on a two-hour difference. And the, I, I know already that I need to have you on again because uh, you optimize restaurants and your bio says GM coach. And originally, we want to really talk to you about your knowledge in keto and you also do some biohacking, so that's a lot to pack into a show. Yeah, I probably could talk about four hours if you, <laughs> if you, if you had the time. I, yeah. I can imagine, sure. so we'll break those four hours up in a couple of episodes, but it won't be that long today. And today for the today's interview, I'd love to focus on two parts, the keto and the optimization of restaurants, because that's... That's really right up my alley as far as my interests are concerned. So let's okay. start at the beginning um, regarding restaurants. What's, um, how did you get your start into restaurants? That's a long story. Uh, this month, 26 years ago, I started as a dishwasher. Oh, wow. At the, Car- at the Carolina Crab House in uh, South Carolina. Um, in this uh, little small community called Ballantyne out on Lake Murray. Um, I, um, uh, gosh, I, wanted, I, I grew up racing go-karts. Most of the kids were playing baseball, basketball, football. I was racing go-karts. And so I wanted to be the next Dale Earnhardt. And, um, and, and I was sponsored, and my first job was at a go-kart shop. And I, I you know, was a welder and fabricator and all that stuff. And and then um, I gave up on that dream when I was 21 and went to college for a bit and then said, you know what, I want to own a restaurant. And the only way to do that is to get in them. And so I applied and at about 15 different places and finally got hired as a dishwasher. And 90 days later, I was promoted to manager. I was offered and, and took the position for manager. Um, wow, that's and, a big Wow, from dishwasher to manager, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Months. I, I went, <laughs> I washed dishes for a couple weeks. I was a prep cook for a couple weeks. I was a line cook and an expediter. And before I went back to school, they offered me a position. And 
I was like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll try this and see how it went. And I ended actually five years later, end up being managing partner of that same location that I was a dishwasher in. Um, and, um, and so what happens is, is that I still show up to the racetrack every day. I'm still okay. trying to go faster. I'm still trying to, um, to beat the cover count from the year before or the numbers from the year before and, I use a lot of the principles that I learned to be a successful race driver, um, uh, you know, day to day, uh, or correlate that or use as an operating system, if you will, uh, in the restaurant world. Um, uh, instant, so I used to win with horsepower and handling and tire pressures and staggers and driving, driving style. And now I win with hospitality and service and hiring people with the right, the right character and, creating safe environments for them to work in. And it's, so it's, it's very similar to me in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, and as, as you're managing a restaurant, you have to hold a lot of different things in your head at one time. Like this is happening in the kitchen. This is happening at the front door. This is happening at the bar. Um, I got this 20 cup coming in and, you know, you know, all these different things are happening. So it's kind of the same thing at the racetrack. So I've been doing this a long time where you would say, okay, the, the, the weather is this and the sun's going to go down and the humidity is going to do this. And, um, the tides can, we would race on the coast. We'd have to have tide charts and know what's happening, how that would affect the track. So you were making decisions with little information, um, when in racing and you're and and when you're managing a restaurant, a busy restaurant, you're making decisions with a little information. So it's just a skill you, you, you develop over the years. So speaking of over the years, take us a bullet point. Have our audience give get a sense of your experiences. And bullet point, you know, you you started from dishwasher to manager to ma- to managing partner at that location, mm-hmm. and you mentioned um, hospitality and service. So take us through a little bullet points of the places that you have uh, stopped along the way in your career, and and what positions you held there. Okay, so um, so you know the first place. Also, in the middle of that, uh, I also was the GM of the for the same company on Hilton Head Island in okay. South Carolina. Okay, um, and then I moved to the Caribbean, St. Croix, and I, where I was a food and beverage director at the seventh largest oil refinery in the world um, for okay. two years. Um, then that's when we moved to Utah, and at Utah, I worked at the Hilton Salt Lake City Center. I was the first off the general manager of the Spencer's for Steaks and Chops, which was the best at the time, the best steakhouse uh, in Utah. And then I was the director of restaurants for that property. Had um, 400 has still there 499 rooms. So I was a director of restaurants at that location. Um, then I uh, went to as a food and beverage director at the Salt Lake Regional Medical Center. So I was at a hospital for three years. Oh wow, that's um, different. There. Yeah, a lot different. And I did that more for family. I had a young daughter and my and, and son, and so I wanted to have more, you know, weekends and holidays and nights off. Um, uh, but that was the hardest three years of my life because I'm a restaurant guy, um, and um, but, and restaurant GM, and so hospitals were tough for me, okay. uh, for sure. I learned a lot about I learned a lot about diets, and that's where we're going to talk about keto and all that stuff. Yeah. So so that was really a good point in my life personally. I lost 40 pounds at age 40. I'm 47 now. I lost 40 pounds at age 40 while I was working at the hospital. And then I had two dietitians that were um, wonderful to, to, to work with. And I was able to bounce ideas off of them and 
they thought I was crazy in a lot of ways, but um, because I was doing new emerging science where they were still with the dietetic association stuff. We can talk about that later. Um, then, then I got the job as the general manager of the Rusco Steakhouse in Park City, and I did that for a year before I got promoted to director of food and beverage. Um, and that is a, um, a, a, a boutique Marriott autograph property. And I ended up was there for four and a half years. Um, and uh, I've worked at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, for about five months. Um, and that was culturally not uh, a great fit for me. Um, and now um, I've got a new job that I've been training for right now. Okay. And that's with, uh, yep. That is quite extensive. And um, so <laughs> you did mention the you know, restaurants were in your blood when you were at, at the hospital. It was a little challenging for you. What, you know, whenever we all go out, we're in the business and we go out, we have different eyes than most people. What do you look for when you walk into a restaurant as a patron versus as a, as a person that's, you know, there as a consultant? Uh, I mean, when, I, when I'm a customer, what I look for? Yes. Yeah, I look for, the first thing I look for, I, you know, like most people, is cleanliness. Because um, most of the time I'm going out to eat is with my, my family, and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, keeping them safe, you know. Um, I actually have walked into a restaurant, had to go to the restroom, went to the bathroom, and walked out and said, we're not eating here, and we left. So okay. I, I, have, I have done that before. Um, yeah, uh, that's because the, the bathroom is so bathroom is so dirty, you know. Um, um, what I call is, um, you know, when you're, cause the restaurant is putting on a play or putting on a, um, there's things, it, what happens is there's things that happen behind the scenes that a guest should never see. Absolutely. And so I'm, I, I'm looking for, if those things are out in the open, then I know the management is really not aware of what should be behind the scenes and, and be hidden from, um, the, from the guest or the customers, um, um, versus, so like, um, like typically I would, I, I would never have a hostess rolling silverware, you know, I, you know, in the view of the guest, that's something that should happen out of the view of the guest rolling silverware or any of those type of things. I'm just kind of looking for that, that type of stuff. Okay. Um, and I used to be very critical of restaurants when I was going out to eat, but now I just want to go out and relax. I don't really get into, you know, critiquing restaurants when I'm there. Um, you, you know, my wife will ask me questions about what do you think about that? Or she knows my what I, what I focus on is she'll point out stuff, you know, and, and those things. But, and my son worked for me for a couple of years at the Bruce Chris in Park City. So he knows as well what I look for. So it's, it's an interesting thing when we, we as a family go out to eat because, um, you know, restaurants has, has been a big part of our lives for, you know, for my whole adult life. So. Understood. And you mentioned, um, you know, restaurants, they put on a play, so to speak. And there are some things that I agree that should be out of view of the of the guests. They shouldn't really necessarily know how the sausage is made. And what <laughs> what is the foundation of a good functioning restaurant? What is it? The people, um, your staff obviously is very important. In your words, what's what's the the foundation? The the, the starting point. The starting point is the environment or the culture. I actually call this the ecosystem that is cultivated by the management team. Okay. That's, that's the starting point because you can have a system that's in place um, that 
has like a seven day training program for a server and a five day training program for the pantry and, you know, a seven week MIT training program that's off site for every manager. But if, if the staff is scared of the management or if they're in a position where they have to, they, they have to tell the guests no because they know the chef's going to say no or the manager's going to say no to a special order, then then the guests are going to suffer and then your sales are going to suffer and your profits are going to suffer and everything's going to suffer. So it all starts with the environment. It all starts with the ecosystem. Um, and it needs to be where the customers, where the employees, excuse me, the employees feel safe, that they can make decisions or say yes to and be generous and do great service and they're not going to get in trouble for it um, and, or, or their job's in jeopardy. So it all starts there. Now, granted, there's three pillars to what I do. Um, uh, you know, the, the ecosystem is, is the top of the list. Um, the other two are hiring people with great character um, and vetting out the people with, that currently work in the staff for their character. And that changes from time to time. I've, I've had employees work for me that a girl gets a new boyfriend and she changes. Okay. And mm-hmm. she, she had great character. And then all of a sudden she's partying a little bit more. She's hung over a little bit more or things happen or they break up and it doesn't, she's not as good as she was, you know? And so it's that, that all stems from empathy as a, as, as a leader is leading with empathy. Um, and that's where that's, that's how I lead. And that's like my secret weapon is I try to put myself in their shoes and understand where they where my team is coming from um, there. But then also, so character and training. I think training is super important. I, I think our, our guests are walking into restaurants expecting us to be experts on everything on our menu. So a server trying to bullshit their way, excuse my friend, sorry, BS their way through okay. a wine list. They're trying to BS their way through a wine list because they don't feel like they have to know it. Or they can make enough money without knowing you know, what vintage this is, okay. where it's from, um, um, and that how much a glass of this Chardonnay cost and how much a bottle cost. Um, um, I, I think that's, I think we're doing an, a, a disservice to the customer. Um, it, if I was hired to be a salesman for Mercedes Benz, I got into horsepower torque, how many passengers sit in there, safety, how many airbags it has. I got to know all the stuff. Absolutely. I got to know all the answers to the questions. Absolutely. So as a salesperson, as a salesperson, you've got to know if this is gluten-free or how to make this gluten-free. You, you should know what wine on our list pairs with this. And you shouldn't just always trying to be upsell. I mean, you should always know what you're, you have at your, uh, in your inventory that you can pair together to get the best experience, not just so I can make the most money. I think that's, those are really the, the things that I, that I focus on is the, the, the environment, hiring people with great character that want to get great dining experiences and, um, and then training people, training people on an elevated level. So like, like, like this, right. You know, there's a quote from 650 PC from this Greek poet and, and soldier that says, we do not rise to our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. That's so when you, when we get into a situation where it, and stressful situation, a manager shouldn't think that this person is going to rise above the level that we train them. 
they're only going to fall to the level we trained them. And if the training program was, hey, welcome to the team. Oh, your uniform was pretty good. Go follow Sally around for a couple of days. She'll show you how to do this. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been there as a manager. Where I walk in, they're like, okay, here's your manager card. Here's a set of keys. And tomorrow you're closing. You're the, you're the ship. You're, you're running a ship tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. I'm off That's tomorrow. Crazy. I'm off tomorrow. You're, you're you're on your own, buddy. You're like, figure it out. Then you get yelled at for when you do it wrong. You're like, how am I supposed to know what to, how to do this, right? So yes. um, training is super, super important. And, I, you know, here's the thing. The military does not get to ask behavioral-based interviewing questions. A, a, a general or, a, 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 you know, a battalion leader has got people on his troops that he had no inter, no access to before they showed up. These guys came out of basic training, and now they're in his squadron. They're in his battalion. They're in his troops. They're in his care. There was no hiring process. He was recruited at a recruiting office 14 states away. He had nothing to do with it. So it's not, a, it's not always about who you have on your team. It's the environment that you put them in. Sure. And also creating this, I have this one governing dynamic that really governs the whole ecosystem, and that is why are we here? And I know this is the modern, uh, you know, waiter podcast, right? And, yes. and most people in this business are to, to make money, and they focus on, well, I'm here, I'm working here because I can make the most money, right? My check average is higher, it's, you know, um, it's in the right location, it's in the right neighborhood where people who have a lot of money come in to eat here and those things. And so I got a bigger chance to making money here than I do anywhere else. And that's great because we're all in this to make money. But if we could bend the reality a little bit and go, hey, and, and shift the paradigm to go, the reason that I'm here is to give the best dining experience in this particular style of restaurant in this location ever. If the GM focuses on that and shifts the reality, moves the paradigm over to best dining experience in this particular restaurant, in this type of location ever, it changes everything. Because what happens is when somebody says, can I be cut? You can, you can think in your head or you can actually say to them, does that help all of our guests get the best dining experience if we ran a server short tonight? That makes no. sense. You know, there's, um, in dealing with the workforce, for me, my experiences being in the business for a long time, I've seen a shift in effectiveness from because I said so to here's why. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, it, it really kind of, it a bit touched upon what you're, what you're describing there is a while ago, back in the day, if you want to say that, you know, a lot of managers can get by with saying, oh, you know, do, do this, do that. And they didn't really have to be on the team saying why it's uh, it's important to do this or why are we here, as you would say. And now right. you, you really want people to be a part of something. You know, that's how you build something special. You want to be a part of it. And you need to take the time to explain why. Maybe not on every minutiae every you know minute detail of everything but they really should have an overall concept of why they're doing this why this is important and and uh and the sort so what do you feel that you how do you deal with i know when some people maybe even old school or there are many people that are stubborn you're coming in and you're you know you've been called in by a company how do you 
how do you handle the resistance that may or may not happen? You know, people are resistant naturally to change. So how do you handle that? Well, it, it depends on the person. It depends on their personality. It's, there's no one size fits all type thing. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a negotiation. And so I love the book um, by Chris Voss. He's a former FBI lead hostage negotiator. Um, and he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference, Negotiate Like Your Life Depends on It. And I use several of those tactics um, and, and to, to, to have the conversation with people. So people are resistant to change. And so one of the things is, is that you may get, well, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, true. And right. So that's one of the things. This is the way we've always done it. And then I'm, I'm able to say something, you know, with, um, well, is there a better way? Because I always ask myself, you, you know, you know, in racing, things are, are cyclical in a way because the person who's on top, kind of like Rocky, when Rocky loses to um, uh, Clubber Lang, right? He gets soft, right? He's at the top and he doesn't work as hard. He loses the eye of the tiger, so to speak. So what happens is as a restaurant gets very successful and very profitable, they'll fall back on the laurel, so to speak, and they get complacent. Are you there? Complacent. Okay. So, and so what happens is, so what happens is, is that you have to have somebody that's constantly driving to maintain the things that, um, you know, maintain the things that got you there and also pushing forward to improve things. So I ask myself every day, how can I get better? How can we improve as an organization? Um, how can we do this better? How can we do what, if we change this, could we do more covered counts? Could we give a better service? Could we do this faster? Could we serve this hotter? Yeah, how are those things happening? So when, especially when something breaks down, I want to know how to fix that. Should we have gotten prepared and prepped the day before for this? Um, you know, and, 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 and those type of things. So to answer your question is, um, how do I handle negotiations with people? It's, you know, it's like it depends on what their response is. I, I may actually say to them um, a calibrated question that where they have to answer uh, it as a no, but it's in my favor because people at Chris Boss know feel protected. So that I will say sometimes even in a pre-shift, do you want your tips to go down? No. All right. Do you want to serve cold food? No. Um, do you want our guests to have a bad experience? No. Do we want to have three-star, two-star, one-star reviews to come in on TripAdvisor, Yelp, Open Table? No. Okay, then that's what we need to do. When the food run, when the expo calls for food runners, okay, we need everybody to respond. We need people to come and run food. And why is that? Well, and what will happen with that? Your tips will go up. The guests get hotter food. They get a better experience. We get better reviews, and the restaurant makes more money. Everybody's a win-win situation. But I'll change the I change the question around to where everybody gets to say no, and they feel protected that they agree with what I'm trying to get across uh, in, in in that way. Um, and you, you know, there's there's other things too. Is that people want to be heard? People want to people really, really, really. And I just posted this on. Um, an article about listening and how to listen for conflict resolution on LinkedIn just a couple of days ago. And it's part of this training that I have for conflict resolution resolution on my website. And I'm not trying to do any shameless plug, but if you want to go download it, you can. <laughs> and it'll probably be 
hopefully link in the show notes, right? But but my point being is that eighty when people get upset about something, all right, they want to be heard, and so we as leaders need to be better listeners, and and we need to listen without distraction, without looking at our email, without looking looking at our phone, without looking up over the shoulder at somebody who just walked in the front door. When somebody is wants to tell you their opinion about why something doesn't need to be changed, hear them out, listen to them. And, and, and that's, so I think that's probably one of the biggest things is, is that making sure that we listen to our teams because they're the ones that have the knowledge of what's going on. They understand what's happening on the front lines. We as managers can get disconnected from what they actually have to go through on the front lines with people. That is interesting. And it's a valid point. It's uh, also interesting that uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. Um, you and I previously have no um, friendship be before this, uh, this podcast. And um, I checked out your information, checked out your LinkedIn page. And uh, we have a common um, a person between us. And the person that we have in common is Rick Duffy, who is going to be uh, his podcast. He does a second part of um, two-parter, the private versus uh, corporate restaurants. And which actually comes out tomorrow. It actually <laughs> comes out tomorrow, which is very interesting. So oh, wow, wow. I have to listen to that. Yeah. So transitioning from... Um, the restaurant side of things i'm very interested in the uh the keto knowledge that you have and i know that producer danny has uh begun his um his journey in keto just briefly can you describe what what the keto lifestyle would be to our to our audience keto, keto is basically this it's low carb um moderate protein high healthy fat um low carb means when you're in the beginning phases of it, 25 net carbs or less. Net carbs is very similar to like what your paycheck is, where you have a gross pay minus taxes and insurance, and you get a net paycheck. You have gross carbs minus fiber um, equals the, the net carbs. So like, for instance, an avocado has 13 gross carbs, 10 grams of fiber. I mean, the whole avocado has three net carbs. Um, now here's the misconception about this ketogenic diet is that you do not have to eat a lot of fat. Okay. The fat can actually, the fat can come from the fat on our bodies. Okay. Um, and so, um, especially in the beginning, if you're trying to lose weight, um, your, your macronutrient percentages will be different than once you get into a maintenance level, um, a ketogenic style diet. Um, so what you, so what happens is you're, it's low carb. So it gets your body into a situation where it will convert fat, whether you dietarily consume it or if it's on your, on your muffin top. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it will convert it into ketones. That's where ketogenic comes from. Your body, your liver will convert fat from, um, from fat into ketones and that will be a form of energy. Protein is not a form of energy. It's a building block for muscles and you know, immune system and all these other different type of things. But your body only has two fuels, carbs or fat. And um, when you take the carbs away, you're then forcing your body to convert fat into ketones. 
and use that as a fuel. And um, very interesting. In uh, uh, maybe about uh, boy, 15, 16 years ago, I was into uh, bodybuilding, and one of the final phases to prep for um, for competition was to stimulate your body into uh, ketosis to get the remaining fat out of it from under the layer of skin. And it's a, it's a very uh, interesting and effective way to do it. And um, right. what advice? It also, it, also, it, it also takes uh, five pounds, about five pounds, depending on your size, mm-hmm. five pounds of water weight away. So you drop water, so it makes you look more leaner and more cut. And if you were not in ketosis as well. What are, what's uh, what advice would you have for uh, for Danny in starting out? Yeah, so Danny, let me ask you a couple questions. Danny, how, how long have you been doing keto? I've uh, so in general, I started about a month month ago. I've lost about almost twenty five pounds already, um, and but I am not doing full on keto. Like I I went and downloaded their uh, I downloaded a uh, like a it was like pretty much like a food plan. You know what I mean? Um, right. and I took the recipes that I liked, you know what I mean? That, that I could, that I knew I would eat. And I tried some of them, you know, just to kind of branch out into it. But if I didn't like them, I just didn't try them again. And then I, and, and then a friend of mine is a, is a trainer. So she always told me, you know, eat a lot of vegetables, fruits and stuff like that. And, you know, you're kind of, so I kind of incorporated those two with, and then kind of just got rid of the carbs in general. And it's been working for me. Like they have like yeah. rice and, bread and like the heavier stuff you know what i mean like i mean i've noticed because i do a, um i follow a uh a, what's the app it's a, i use an app called uh my fitness pal and it, it logs your what you're eating a lot of vegetables, yep. vegetables have carbs in it naturally so i i treat that instead of like having so much rice or you know like you know the heavy starches and stuff like that and then just and substitute with vegetables and it's been working very well that's awesome you, you know each person's different this is an experiment of one so you know, what happens is, is that to, to lose weight, there's one thing that really has to happen, and this is a commonality for all of us, is that insulin has to be low enough to send the signal that it's okay to burn fat. There's a, there's three common things that spike insulin. One is carbs, you know, high glycemic carbs in our diets. Two is lack of sleep. Um, and uh, three is stress. So by eliminating rice and pastas and breads and those type of things, you're you're lowering these insulin spikes, and so that's allowing your body to get into a situation where you're able to 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 burn. You burn. It gives your body the signal that it's okay to burn fat versus storing fat. Um, now, what happens is we eat a high glycemic diet or food or meal, anything. Um, it takes about 13 hours, and this is uh, this is actually you can find this on the YouTube. There's a video by Dr. Mindy Pels that she explains it takes 13 hours for the insulin to get low enough for um, do the body to actually get the signal that it's okay to burn fat. And most of us don't go 13 hours without going from high sugar, uh, you know, or, or high glycemic meal to meal. And so mm-hmm. our bodies get this constant, this constant signal of store fat, store fat, store fat, and versus it's okay to burn fat. That's why I love, you know, tagging in intermittent fasting in with, um, you know, in with keto. Um, and so it's interesting that you, you, you haven't gone full keto, but you're, you're probably what happens is, is that because you've lowered your carb count low enough that you're bumping into keto a couple times a day 
um, but you're also then coming out. So you're almost like more paleo than you are keto, I think, at, at this point from what it sounds like. I guess so, yeah. And, and I work out regularly, you know, like three to four times a week. So I try to maintain that as well. 25 pounds in a month is impressive. I have to say that I, I don't know if I, I've ever – I lost 40 pounds, but it, I, did, I lost I, – I, it took me about 10 months to, I think, to lose all 40 pounds. But I wasn't keto. I was just intermittent fasting when I did that. So yeah, when I, when really he initially cool. gave me the um, the plan, it was said, I want to lose about – I want to lose 50 pounds total. They told me I would be there by June if I followed it completely. Um, so it's been, I'm on the fifth week right now, and I weighed myself, and it's exactly 25 pounds lighter. <clears throat> wow. You're going to make it, I think. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, I'm learning a lot just to, um, describing some of the things that are is happening with the body and going in and out of keto. And for me, I don't really have weight to lose, but I'm really into, I'm very interested in biohacking. I'm very interested in knowing what my body uh, does, can do, feeling the best. I meditate. And one of my challenges is dealing with um, sugar that's in, in so many things, you know. Um, when I was in, in competitions, I used to have to really watch out for salt and I never really gave sugar, uh, any, any thought. But now that, uh, I started the year cutting out sugars, uh, well, added sugars, I should say. And it's, it's unbelievable how sweet things taste to me now. And <laughs> naturally I, I gravitate to, to sweet things. But I know that added sugars are really, you know, not the best for you. So it's it's really uh, challenging to go ahead. I've been keto for almost three and a half years. Um, oh wow! <laughs> when you talk about how the sweet things taste to you, you <laughs> oh my gosh, you should like. There's things that like literally would turn my head inside out, you know, for <laughs> for sweetness. That if I try them. But the on the opposite side, people who are non keto that have some of the things that I have are are way too tart for them. Okay. So my 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 palate shifted in a in um in a different way. Like, hey, you know, just because I'm keto don't mean I'll have anything to drink from time to time. You know, so sometimes I'll take and squeeze a couple lemons and have some vodka, put some stevie in there. You know, a couple drops of bitters. My my wife tastes. I'm like I'm like, honey, this tastes so good, and I like <laughs> this is so good. And she literally like it. It literally like she's like, oh my god, that's so tart. How do you even drink that? But I'm like, <laughs> it, you know. But but here's the thing. All right, so let me give you some let me give you some tips about because I you know I and I didn't need to lose weight when I when I was in keto when I became to keto. I've only I've been keto three and a half years. I've been intermittent fasting for um, seven years. So, so intermittent fasting is how I lost, lost the 40 pounds the second time. The first time I just pushed play every day and did P90X with Tony Horton. That's, but that was 15 years, you know, like that was a guy, let me think about this 12 years ago. The first time I lost it and I gained it back. And then the second time I did it with diet. And that's because I was at the hospital and I learned that diet is really the controller of weight. And more so now over the time I've been, you know, biohacking and created this term that I classify myself as a modern longevitarian. Um, I, you know, because I was a vegetarian for 10 years. I was almost vegan for about six months. 
Um, then we started doing the Western A Price diet, um, which you can have breads and sourdoughs and, and you can have beans if you soak them overnight, you can take the phytic acid out of and all these different things that I've done. And, you know, um, and my wife, my wife was a pescatarian for 35 years. And so I've learned a lot of this stuff from her. And, but I've been keto for so long now. She's migrating more over to keto. And we've done the Adkins thing back when that was a death thing 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, but, but my point being keto is a little bit different than that. And it's more sustainable than most people think because, you know, I've hang, I've hung out with a lot of chefs and what do chefs do? They talk about balance in a dish and we talk about balance in cocktails and it all is the, is it comes from the same place. So what happens is it's like, yeah, I can have a salad with blue cheese dressing on it with no croutons all day long, but some restaurants put sugar in their blue cheese dressing. So you got to be careful with that. You So oil and vinegar probably will be the best way, and red wine vinegar would be the best way to go if you're eating in the restaurant. But my point being is that figure out how to balance dishes with acids, like vinegars, um, mm-hmm. not balsamic vinegar or balsamic reduction so much because that will have some sugar in it. And I do that on occasion. Love a caprese salad, um, you know, but sometimes I may put a pesto on it instead of of, uh, of balsamic or balsamic mm-hmm. reduction um, or use raw apple cider vinegar to balance it that way. Um, but, you know, when you think of like traditional, like even like Mexican dishes like uh, uh, tacos de cabeza, which is a, the head taco, they'll, they'll put lines with beef to give you the acid to balance the fat in that. So just... But now you, you got to take the tortillas away, right? But you got mm-hmm. guacamole, you've got fatty beef, you've got you know grilled scallions in that. You got fresh radishes, right? So think of the fresh radishes that add spiciness that way. They add this freshness and crispness to it, and then they've got the lime juice that get another acid. So, like I said, people think this diet is all avocados and bacon, you know, um, you know, and, and ribeyes and 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 pork chops and all those things. And it can be keto can be those things, but it, but you also get tired of, of, of eating that way. Like for instance, old world wines, French, you know, Bordeaux's and, you know, we start thinking, you know, the, all these great old world red wines and they're designed to be consumed with food. Now, why is that? Why are they drier? They're drier because, they strip your tongue of all the fat on it, so the last bite of your meal tastes just as good as the first bite of your meal. New World yeah. wines are designed to be consumed by themselves. So what happens is, so you have to play with that and go, okay, um, I need to. I'm going to make a. I'm going to take some cheese. I'm going to put it in a nonstick, a healthy, safe nonstick pan. I'm going to cook this down. I'm going to add some spices to it. And I can make this into a pizza crust. I can make it into this into like a taco shell and put some some rotisserie chicken in it and some tomatoes, and, but I'm going to put some mustard on it that has no sugar in it, but it has vinegar in it to, to balance out the fattiness of this whole dish that I've created. So it's all about finding balance with it and using acids in different ways to do that. Thank you so much. And before Very we, interesting. Before we let you go, how can, uh, how can you be reached? The gmcoach.com is my website. Just a little bit of basic information there. And then the free training I mentioned uh, on how to deal with angry guests. Um, and then I'm, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So uh, Scott R. Stanfield is uh, who I am there. And I occasionally post some, some keto things um, on my Instagram, which is at Straight Cabbage. 
All right, at Straight Cabbage, that's how uh, we connected. I'm I'm very grateful, and hopefully we get to do this again, and we t talk about biohacking next. And from culture to character to training, Mr. Stanfield, thank you so very much. And I'm Marlon Joseph, the modern waiter. I'm Danny Davila. Scott, it was such a pleasure listening to you today. It was just amazing for all things we just we took in. <clears throat> uh, well, it's my pleasure to share it with you. Um, I really enjoyed our time together, and uh, I hope I, if you got any questions, and shoot me a shoot me a message. I'll be happy to answer them. Okay, thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Way to Podcast. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody, and don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks for waiting. It's been a long time. We should have left you. Well, I'm some hot shit.